Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa buddham dhammam sangam namasami Tonight, I would like to share with you a sutta from the Anguttara Nikaya. It's the Book of Fours, number 128, and it's called Astounding. Monks, with the manifestation of a Tathagata, an Arahant, a perfectly enlightened one, Four astounding and amazing things become manifest. What for? People delight in attachment, take delight in attachment, rejoice in attachment. But when a Tathagata is teaching the Dhamma about non-attachment, people want to listen. They lend an ear and they set their minds on understanding it. This is the first astounding and amazing thing that becomes manifest with the manifestation of a Tathagata, an Arahant, a perfectly enlightened one. Two, people delight in conceit. They take delight in conceit they rejoice in conceit. But when a Tathagata is teaching the Dhamma for the removal of conceit, people wish to listen and they lend ear and they set their minds on understanding it. This is the second astounding and amazing thing that becomes manifest with the manifestation of a Tathagata, an Arahant, a perfectly enlightened one. People delight in excitement. They take delight in excitement. They rejoice in excitement. This is number three. But when a Tathagata is teaching the Dhamma that leads to peace, people wish to listen and they lend an ear and they set their minds on understanding it. This is the third astounding and amazing thing that becomes manifest with the manifestation of a Tathagata, an Arhant, a perfectly enlightened one. Number four, people are immersed in ignorance 
become like an egg, completely enveloped. But when a Tathagata is teaching the Dhamma for the removal of ignorance, people wish to listen and they lend an ear and they set their minds on understanding it. This is the fourth astounding and amazing thing that becomes manifest with the manifestation of a Tathagata, an Arahant, a perfectly enlightened one. These monks are the four astounding and amazing things that become manifest with the manifestation of a Tathagata, an Arahant, a perfectly enlightened one. And so it is. We delight in attachment. What does the Buddha mean? We delight in attachment. Well, we can see even in these times of great restriction, we take to delighting in the things that we can delight in. Some people delight in food, in Netflix, in various entertainments, in reading, in listening to music, in listening to the news, following the worldometer about the virus. Some people take delight in being with their family, being with their children, in teaching, in studying, in various activities. Some people delight in going to parties, even when they're not supposed to, although things are now opening up. But then we get attached to these things. And when we can't do them, we suffer. So when the Tathagata is teaching, this means that when we listen to the voice of the Buddha, it's as if the Buddha were here with us. It's as if the Buddha were teaching us and we take great delight in his teaching. And then we learn about non-attachment and we give up our wish to surround ourselves with things that cause not wholesome habits, that don't lead us to wholesome ways of living, wholesome ways of being with others and with ourselves. And when we, we begin to practice meditation in particular, we start to realize how caught up we are in these attachments and how much the mind is influenced by what we believe in, what we think and how we spend our time and who we spend our time with. We want to listen more and we want to lend an ear to that which is true because it strikes the very heart of the heart. Whereas these other things, more worldly activities, do not give us this sense of a way of escaping our attachments or letting them go, but we become more and more enmeshed. Some people delight even in being attached to things that are harmful. And there we have the very sad tales, sad history and current stories of young people getting so attached to harmful things. Or some people even committing violent acts 
to get hold of things that they believe they must have and developing very unskillful ways of conducting themselves. But when they listen to the teaching, when they listen to the Dhamma, they stop and they recognize this is something precious. This is something like a medicine. It's not enough for us just to listen and lend an ear and try to understand these things, but we have to repeatedly do that, continuously do that, to free ourselves from attachment to our own bodies, to how the body looks, to what we eat, to special kinds of things to get. Things that will prevent us from looking old, for example, or changing what nature is, is offering us, trying to control that. And so we suffer as a result. But when we hear the teaching, we see that there is a way to let go of these attachments that will rescue us from the various sufferings that we experience when we don't get what we want, when we can't control what is beyond our control, when we see death staring us in the face, when a seemingly small, insignificant phenomena of nature creates such a force of destruction of life in the world, it stops us in our very place where we are. It doesn't only do that, but we become completely restricted by it. Think of all the harm that we have been causing in the world through our various activities and how this one virus, for example, has suddenly brought many of these activities to a halt flying around in airplanes, although people still do, but not to the same extent. Staying home, not going to work. And of course, disturbing things like children not being able to get the education they would benefit from, getting structured schooling. These are, of course, things that disturb us. But because we're not able to control conditions, and suddenly we see how very vulnerable we are. And then we hear a teaching that the Tathagata gives us, and we are amazed. And the Buddha says it is astounding and amazing that we listen, that we, we are attentive, that we are willing to put down these attachments and embrace our vulnerability so that we can learn a way to free ourselves from the suffering that is caused within the heart. He expresses his amazement at how willing we are to listen to the teaching in spite of the depth of our attachment, the depth of our clinging, how hard it is to let go what we favor, what we like, what we want. In the same way, because we are so caught up in this self, in conceit, in good ways and in not good ways. We develop ways of seeing ourselves that are blaming and deprecating and disempowering. And we also seek power over others and blame others and do not take responsibility for our actions and can become 
insufferable to others. So this is because of different ways of holding the self and being controlled by this notion of self and trying to not only gratify the self, but through comparing ourselves to others and either holding ourselves above or below or equal to, we then demand our rights and fight for our rights and fight and try to win something that we believe we have a right to in ways that be, may be unwholesome and that may cause more harm than the harm that already exists. Then the Buddha offers a teaching and he is amazed and astounded that in all our ignorant ways and all our selfish and misguided ways, we are still willing to hear the truth when we hear it and to wish we could understand it and apply it. And so this teaching on emptiness is very relevant for us to recognize, to study ourselves in a way that we can see and ask, to understand the Dhamma of what are we? What is this body-mind compound? What are these khandhas? What are these bodies and minds connected so intricately, so mysteriously to each other that we make a self out of what are they really? And then through the meditation practice, we study the unreality of what we believe about these beings. And we begin to see more and more the emptiness of the processes of the body and the emptiness within the processes of the mind. That all these conditions that we attach to, that we take to be self, that we invest in, that we delight in as selves, I am better than, I am as good as, I am worse than. And we, we repeat these kind of habits and patterns to suffer more. We actually become free. We are enriched, not through gaining worldly ways. The real riches that we gain are through hearing the Dhamma, through the spiritual riches. And so the Buddha again is astounded. Now people delight in excitement. Excitement, what he means by this is lack of peace. That we're so busy. We really delight in being busy. I don't, a day doesn't go by when I hear about the busyness of the world or about somebody being so busy. We ourselves are so busy, but we know that the, the relief from busyness, like the relief from attachment and the relief from conceit is not in this lack of peace, but it's in being able to bring the mind to stillness to stopping once and for all, to stopping and seeing what we really are and why are we doing, what are we doing? You know, the other day somebody asked us, they didn't know anything about our life and they asked, uh, what do you get donations for? 
In other words, what do you do to deserve what you get? And of course, I've been asked this question in different ways. And at one time, I answered this question by saying, I breathe. And the woman went away very puzzled. But if I were to say, we don't do anything, people would completely misunderstand because we value doing so much. We value excitement. The more exciting something is, the more we want it. But excitement doesn't lead us to peace. In fact, it leads us to frustration and suffering because it comes to an end and then whatever we were excited about, we want more of it, but we can't, can't get it in the same way. We get bored with the thing we were so excited about, whether it's an object or an experience, even a beautiful piece of music. If you listen to it enough times, what you were so passionate about, you get fed up and you want to hear something else. How many times do you want to watch your favorite film? Maybe once or twice, or I don't know. But to watch the breath, over and over and over again, and to discover within the breath the truth of what we are is never really boring and can never be exciting in that way. But it is completely enthralling. It's completely mystifying. We long to fathom it more and more. We want to understand it and go deeply into it so that we can find a greater taste of that peace that we are hungry for, that we're thirsty for, the knowledge of peace that can bring us a truer happiness like nothing that the world can offer. What can the world offer us in the face of that? And so the Buddha compares us to an egg, immersed in an egg, immersed in, in ignorance. And what does he mean by this? He means that it's like we're within a wall of ignorance. An egg is a shell, and the little chick is within that shell. It's like imprisoned. Our ignorance is like a prison. So when we take delight in attachment, delight in conceit, delight in excitement, we're delighting in ignorance because we don't see the truth of what we're doing. We don't see the way out of being caught in what the world is taunting us with over and over again. Lifetime after lifetime, year after year, day by day. But to break these habits, we have to learn more and more about the ways of the mind, the riches within the mind, the ways of opening the heart and stilling the, the activities of the mind, the activities of, of our daily life. To spend time every day being absolutely still and seeing the beauty in that. How much we can make, make peace with the present moment in good conditions, that empowers us to be able to make peace with the present moment when things are very rough and not relying on props of the world and not trusting the deluded mind, believing our opinions about ourselves or other people's opinions about us and suffering over it, or believing that different experiences will 
through excitement and following our restlessness, we'll be able to get the very perfect experience in whatever field we're seeking, the very perfect relationship. But the relationship that we have to ourselves is really the only inner perfection that is possible. And once we're able to culminate or consummate that inner relational field, then we can bring to ourselves and others the most beautiful gift of all, the greatest blessing of all. And then we break out of this egg shell of ignorance. This is that, like the little chick hatching, breaking out and breaking into the knowledge of the Dhamma, the taste of the Dhamma, the understanding of the truth of what we are and what we're not, and how much we can bring peace to the present moment through that understanding. The highest peace is the disentangling of all these entrapments and this overcoming this ignorance and seeing through the lie of, of self-belief, of conceit of any kind, and letting go our attachments because nature itself is going to remove everything from us. All our most prized possessions, all our degrees, our credentials, what credential do we really long for except the knowledge of this truth? And so the Buddha knows how difficult it is to let go, how difficult it is to enter into this field of inner discovery and discernment and fathom the truth of this Dhamma. And so he expresses how astounding it is that we want to listen to the Dhamma in spite of being so attached, in spite of being so caught up in, in our, the wanting of the, the self, the ego, wanting this and wanting that and never being satisfied. And in our delight in excitements that the world offers and that the mind can produce through its various uh, skills. And overcoming the power of ignorance to delude us again and again and again. No matter how many times we practice, we still easily fall back into our delusion. No matter how many sittings we do and retreats we attend and dhammas we listen to, talks, etc., it's only by really applying this knowledge internally and letting go at deeper and deeper levels that we can come to a place where the heart knows the peace and goes to it naturally and resists, refrains from, turns away from all these ways of delusion and ignorance. So these are a few reflections. We marvel at the Buddha's marveling at us. It's a sweet thing that he was astounded because we do have dust in our eyes, but not that much that when we hear the Dhamma, many of us will turn to it just like 
creatures, when they see the sun, plants, when they feel the sun rays on them, they turn naturally to the sun. So we turn naturally to the Dhamma because it is our true home and it is our healing. It is our medicine. It is our freedom. It's what we are here for as human beings, whether we know it or not. So I offer that reflection tonight. <clears throat>